Awesome. Let's take our Bibles. Do me a favor, open your Bibles to Mark 13 and just kind of keep it there for a second. Um, Dan, I want, I want to bless you today. Dan, if you could just stand to your feet. Uh, everyone extend a hand over here towards Dan and we're going to pray. Uh, we're going to pray for a touch from heaven. He's scheduled for surgery, but we just pray, God, that you just bless his body right now. And you bring virtue from heaven to earth. You said whatever we bind on earth would be bound in heaven, and whatever we loosed on earth would be loosed to heaven. So we declare strength and peace, restoration, healing. We thank you, God, all for your glory. All for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So keep your, keep your hand right there in Mark 13. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. Is that okay? So I want to talk about prophecy. And uh, you know that less than 10% of churches in America talk about prophecy. It's a really, it's, it's uh, you know, and so just... So I like to make things very, very simple. You know what prophecy is? Prophecy is the end of the book before the beginning. Prophecy, prophecy specifically, now, now we're talking about biblical prophecy, and really there is no other prophecy. Right? There's just no other prophecy. Everybody else misses it. You know? I don't care who Nostradamus is. He didn't get it right. He was general. But, but, but in the Bible, there are over 25. 500 prophecies specific I mean articulated to the like to the to the names to the places to the to the very details uh, there are over 2,500 prophecies and and you know how many are left unfulfilled less than 500 less than five so 2,500 prophecies there are less than 500 left to be fulfilled if you're keeping time that's significant. So prophecy is really the, the story of, of when, when will we be back together with God. And prophecy is the, is the, the story before you know, it happens. And prophecy is the way God tells you that it's going to happen because I have told you these things. So when these things happen, you'll know that what I told you is true. So he, he gives us the privilege of like knowing what's going to happen and then watching it happen and then confirming our faith as it happens. That's important to the believer. There's a story, you might have heard it. It's, uh, it's a story of a, 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 a clock maker. He had a shop right on a busy part of town. And about a block away was this factory and at 6 o'clock every day, the whistle would blow at the factory. And the foreman of the factory would walk by the clock shop every morning at 8 a.m. And he'd take his, his watch out, and he'd look at one of the clocks in the window, and he would set his watch according to that clock. And then he would go to the factory, and he would set the whistle to his watch that he set to the clock. One day he's walking, some years go by, he's walking by again and out in front of the shop was the, the, the shop owner and he's sweeping up and he notices the man comes by, he's looking at his watch, he's looking at the clock, he's calibrating his time and the, and the clock uh, owner says, I see you do this every day. I watch you do this every day. Every day you walk by here at eight o'clock on the nose and you, and you, what are you doing? And he said, well, I, I set my watch according to your clock because I'm the foreman at the factory and I set the whistle according to my watch according to your clock. The clock owner looked back at him and said, well, that's interesting because I set my whistle. He said, I set my clock according to your whistle. And I feel like that's where we are today in society. If I were to ask you what time is it in your spirit, what could you tell me? In your spirit, your spirit knows what time it is. But there's so many spirits in the world today. 
Have you felt the increase of spiritual darkness in the world? You can't go shopping. You can't turn on your television. You can't turn on your radio. You can't have a conversation. You can't you can do anything without feeling the spiritual oppression that has increased, rapidly increased. There's a release. There's an increase. Do you know what time it is? Jesus said, they're like blind guides leading the blind. Nobody knows what time it is. I woke up this morning. I walked out to my truck to get in, and I looked down the road. I was paralyzed because nobody knows what time it is, man. Nobody knows what time it is, man. Everybody's just carrying on as if it's all normal. But man, you can feel it in your spirit. Nobody knows what time it is right now. I'm frightened for the world because I'm like, you don't know what time it is? Don't you know what time it is? Jesus said this. He, if he issued a strict rebuke. He said, you hypocrites. You can tell the weather, but you can't tell the you know, you know whether it's going to be sunny or rain today, but you don't know what time it is in your spirit. And because you don't know what time it is in your spirit, you're acting as if you have more than you do. It was a warning. It was a strict warning. He's like, no, pay attention to the time. You know, nobody knows the day or the hour. But Jesus said, you should know the time. You should know the time. When a woman's pregnant, she don't know the day or the hour. But she knows when it's time. Uh-huh. You talk to somebody in that, in that time, and they'll say, oh, it's time. It's time. When my wife was pregnant with Precious, we were in the time of her arrival. We were in the time of her arrival. And she kept a bag. She kept a bag in the closet. And in that bag were all the things essential to the arrival of our little girl. Middle of the night, my wife woke me up and she said, it's time, it's time. She got me up. We got in the minivan, I hate minivans, she got in a minivan. Can't stand a minivan. I don't think men are supposed to drive minivans. Like electric cars, stop making them. <laughs> Back to my show. Back to Jesus' show. It ain't my show. Back to Jesus' show. She got me in the car. We get in the car. Jeremiah, you know, he was about six, seven years old and had all his stuff too, packed up, got him in the car. But we didn't have no gas in the minivan. So we had to stop for gas. I wasn't ready. Are you ready? I wasn't ready. Are you ready? I wasn't ready. Are you ready? So we stopped at the speedway, and, and I thought, well, well, since I'm here, since I'm here, I might as well go get a donut. It's early in the morning. Might as well go get a donut. You know, I stuck it in there. I walked inside, and I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And then you wouldn't think there'd be much, you know, traffic at a speedway at like four in the morning. But, but, but I was in there and the gas pump had stopped and, and, and Becca's, you know, she's screaming. She's screaming out there. It's time. It's time. It's time to go. And so I said, oh, I thought, I thought we were okay. You know, I thought, I thought I had some time. You know, I thought I had some time. We don't have any time. Just eating donuts. I'm about to have a baby. Get in the van. Let's go. She turned into something else. I don't know. She turned into something else, man. I stopped for donuts. 
I stopped for donuts. I didn't have, I didn't, I wasn't ready with gas and I, I stopped for donuts. She tells that story to this day. She, she throws shade at me to this day. Are you ready? Are you ready? And let me ask you this. Do you live with a bag packed for his arrival? Like, do you live like waiting for him like that? Like, are you waiting for him? There's, there's some blessings I want to show you today. The reason we talk about prophecy, there are some blessings that are found in prophecy uh, that uh, I want to show you. Uh, they're like, uh, they're, they're, they're there to encourage you, these blessings. Revelation 1, verse 3, I believe it is, it says, it says blessed is he who reads and, and who hears the words of this prophecy. So, so prophecy is how we set our watch. Prophecy is how we set our watch, how we stay in sync with heaven. It's, you know, it was said of, the, of the, the sons of Issachar. You know that one? It said they knew their... Come on, talk to me. What did the sons of Issachar know? They knew time. They knew the time. They didn't know the day or the hour, but they knew their time. And I'm asking you, do you know what time it is? Do you know the time? Prophecy is how we, how we set the time. We keep ourselves prepared. This, so there's blessings. So, so one of the reasons we pay attention to prophecy is because there's blessings. Because if you know anything about prophecy and eschatology, what you begin to realize is that the later the hour, the scarier it gets. You know what I mean? There's scary stuff about to break off. But, but God, in Revelation here, says to us, don't worry about the end, because for my chosen elect, I have blessings. The world's going to panic, but prophetically he wants to assure you there's blessing in prophecy for you. The world is going is to freak out, but I want you to know that there is blessing for you, even in the midst of adversity, even in the midst of shortages, even in the midst of inflation, even in the midst of wars, even in the midst of, of, of uh, signs in the heavens. There is blessing for my church. There's blessing in turbulent time. Number two, the reason, the, the second reason we pay attention to prophecy is because it's value clarity. There's value clarity in keeping the time of heaven. You stay more focused when you feel like Jesus is coming back in five minutes. You don't do stuff that don't matter. You don't go places that are inconsequential to your purity. You don't, you don't compromise your values. You, you, you know what you do? You premeditate your values. You tell yourself what matters in your life. That's what prophecy does. Prophecy is this thing that teaches us to live circumspectly, cautiously in the earth, and it helps us redeem time. Value, clarity. Number three, sobriety. It teaches us to live sober. That's what prophecy does. It teaches us to live sober. It teaches us to live holy. You ever see those memes? I talk to young people now because I don't know. But they say, is this where you want to be when Jesus comes back? You know, you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing. And, and then there's this, like Jesus. Jesus comes around a corner like this. And he's like, is this where you want to be when I come back? <laughs> really? This is what you're going to do? Really? That's what sobriety is. It, it's holiness. It teaches us to live sober, ready, 
prepared, bags packed. I don't have time to go there. I don't have time to, to, to do that. I have to live soberly because Jesus' uh, return is imminent. Imminent, man. Close. Leaves are turning yellow. Number four, it teaches us Pay attention to the harvest. It encourages us to pay attention to the harvest. Jesus says the fields are what? They're ready. But I don't have any, there's no laborers. So, what it, so here's, here's, are you in evangelism? Are you an evangelist? Do you evangelize? If you don't, listen to me. If you have trouble, now here's where it's going to get, you know, you, you, this might rub you wrong, but do you have trouble sharing the gospel? Are you uncomfortable with it? Because if you are, let me tell you something, you don't know what time it is. Your watch is off. Time to synchronize. You say, yeah, I know what time it is. No, no. If you're not an evangelist, for the Lord, if you don't recognize the time we're in, that our sisters, brothers, uncles, nephews, fathers, mothers, we got to get them in, and we got to get, we got to pull them in, we got to get them saved, we got to tell them about Jesus. We can't pull no punches. We can't worry about their feelings. We can't, we can't, we can't lie to them. We can't contribute to the, to the world's lie that's deceiving them. We've got to tell the truth, and we got to tell it in love, and we can't hold back because Jesus is coming any second, and it's all about the math, man. So if you're not an evangelist, if, if you have trouble, if you, if you say, I, well, I just have trouble doing that, you don't know what time it is. You think you know what time it is, but you don't know what time it is. And empty churches tell me that the church is off on its time. It thinks it has more time, but you don't have more time. So that's why prophecy is important. Matthew 13, in Matthew 13, what we see that Jesus provides for us is he provides for us these signs. These signs that indicate how close he is to his return. I want to read from paper today. This is the Bible I read in the morning and as I was, I've been reading and I've been going back and reading it every day for about, for about 30 or 40 days. And, and in verse, I'll start in, in verse 4. It says, tell us, they said, tell us, Jesus, when will all these things happen? When what sign, they asked Jesus for what sign, what sign will you show us that these things are about to be fulfilled, he says. They say to him, Jesus replied, don't let any, anyone mislead you. Listen to me, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. You, you wouldn't think that would be literal, but you know it's literal. People are really out here saying they're Jesus. It's crazy. They will deceive many. They will deceive many. So one of the signs of the end of the age is deception, mass deception. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? If you ask yourself, how in the world have we gone from that to this in such little amount? How are all these people deceived? Jesus says, don't let anyone deceive you. So deception is a sign that we're close. You'll hear of wars and threats of wars. So world wars, that's how it's interpreted, world wars. There'll be conflict all over the globe. There'll be conflict everywhere, not just small skirmishes, skirmishes, but there will be massive wars. Do you, are you paying attention to what's happening in Israel? Are you paying attention to China and Russia and Iran? The alliances formed between Russia and Iran. They never thought that would ever be possible, but the Bible prophesied it. The Bible said it just like it's happening right now. 500 and minus. It's counting down, baby. The prophecies are being fulfilled, but don't worry. Don't freak out. 
It makes you a little freaked out, doesn't it? He said, they'll see men, there'll be wars, there'll be panic, but don't, but Jesus, look here, he said, you'll hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes, earthquakes. Here's another one, earthquakes. Have you noticed it? Have you noticed it? Not small earthquakes, they're finding earthquakes under the oceans. Massive, they're finding these massive volcanoes under the oceans. Unprecedented earthquakes are happening now in the world. And they're not saying it. If you're a climate, if you're a climate activist, wouldn't you be screaming this from the housetops? Wouldn't you be yelling this like, man, there's, there's earthquakes, there's earthquakes. But nobody talks about it because the spirits of this age want to keep this under wraps, man. They don't, want, they don't want the church to wake up. They don't want the church to get alive. They don't, they don't want the church to come back to life. The spirits of this age want to deceive. The spirits of this age, the spirits of this age do their best work when the church is naive and dumb. There'll be famines. He said there'll be famines. Here, I got another word for that. You'll, you'll recognize this one immediately. There will be food shortages. Huh? Did I just, did I just yank that out of, the, out of the news cycle for you? There'll be food shortages. You know what? The spirits of this age are going to blow up cow factories and chicken factories and lettuce factories, and they're going to poison the ground, and there's going to be train wrecks that are going to poison everything that are going to create food shortages. Prophecy being fulfilled. Don't panic. Don't panic. When these things begin to happen, what does he say? When these things happen, when these things begin to happen, watch out. Put on your glasses, man. Start paying attention. Start Hank, don't you get sleepy in this late hour. Don't you get tired. Don't you grow weary in well-doing. Don't you become afraid. Don't you get discouraged. But it's time to watch. Watchmen, get on the wall and start looking. Prayers, start praying. It's time to weep between the porch and the altar. The hour is late. He said, you'll be handed over to local councils and beaten in synagogues. You'll stand trial before gover oh. governors. They're going to yank Christians. They're going to persecute. There's going to be persecution. We're not used to this, so whenever it happens, it really freaks us out. Persecution's happening right now, man. Christians have never been hated this much in all of time, they've never been hated the way they're hated today. They used to tolerate your Jesus. They used to let your Jesus come to school with you, but now they don't even want him there. They're so, oh, they're so over the top and, and overt with it, they'll bring pornography into a third grade classroom and have a transvestite read it to your children. They don't care. They don't care anymore. They're, they're, they're overtly angry and hostile towards your faith, towards the Jesus that converts the soul to life. They hate him. And they can't even hide it anymore. They hate him. So they'll begin to persecute Christians in the name, in the name of virtue, of tolerance, of acceptance, of love. You should love me just like I am. But how many know when you came to Jesus, he didn't leave you like you was? He didn't leave me like I was. Peter met Jesus. Peter met Jesus within two minutes of the conversation. You know what Jesus did? He changed his name. He changed his name. He said, Just, you, you think your name's Simon, but I'm about to change your destiny, boy. I'm about to make, I name you Peter, and now your destiny is changed, and now your whole future looks different. And within two minutes of meeting Jesus, he begins transformation in the believer's life. But this world would tell you, don't you accept me for, at, you accept me just like I came. I will accept you as you come through the door, but next week I will expect you to transform into the image and the likeness of Jesus. 
That's the truth, baby. That's just who it is. That's just who he is. He, he will change you. He will not leave you there. He will change your life. He will transform your future. Everything around you will begin to change because he is a transformer. So he'll persecute. You're going to get persecuted. But when you're arrested, stand trial. Don't worry about in advance what to say. God's going to tell you in that hour what you're supposed to say. Now, the reason I mentioned that verse there, because I want you to know, unfortunately, well, no, fortunately, I don't want to say those things. Fortunately, the church is still here. Isn't that fun? Church is still here. Some people think we're leaving before all of this. We're still here for some of it. Because God cares about the harvest. And he knows the church. The church is the tool he uses in the earth to harvest souls. So we're still here for some of this, okay? He said, brother will betray brother to death. Father will betray his own children. I have never lived in a time in all of my life. I am loyal to the core of my being, and it confounds me and confuses me why there is so much disloyalty among believers. I can't understand why a brother that would call another man a brother. I had more loyalty when I lived in the world, and then I came to Christ, and you think I'm going to throw you in the garbage? I won't. I, I refuse to become like this world. If they throw you in the garbage, let me tell you something even if you hate me I still love you and I still believe the best of you I refuse to operate in a spirit of hatred I will love you to the very end if they throw you in the garbage I'm gonna go get you out of the garbage because that is what the kingdom is but I've never in my life seen such disloyalty among those who confess the name of Christ I've never in my life seen it but Jesus said they're not gonna be loyal Troy there will not be loyal. There's going to be hatred. There's going to be hatred. And you think, oh, yeah, I expect them to hate me. No, no, he said brother will betray brother. He said your, your own father, your own father, you'll hate your own father. You'll betray your own father. That's a sign. There'll be a great falling away is a sign. A sign of what? It's close. It's close. Do you know what time it is? Everyone's going to hate you. That's fun, huh? <laughs> but the one who endures to the end, look what it says. I'm in verse 13 now, but the one who endures to the end, what? They're going to be saved. So I want you to hold on. I want you to hold on. Don't let go, even though they hate you. So this is hard for people that need the affirmation of other people, you know. I was raised without a daddy, so I learned to affirm myself. I learned to just go get by in this world all alone. You know, then when I met Jesus, I learned that I wasn't alone. And there's nothing you can do to me now. There's nothing you can say to me now that would dissuade me. I know he is the way, the truth, and the life. There's nothing you can say to me now that would tell me that he's not who he says he is. Hold on. Said the day's coming. When you will see the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing where he should not. You heard this? The abomination of desolation? You know what that is? The abomination of desolation. Here, here we're, we're told that it's going to be so reprehensible to the Jew. It's going to be so reprehensible that they'll it'll repulse them. That something's going to happen. They're going to put something in the temple and in the city. That's a specific application. But can you see what's happening in churches all over the world? They're compromises. Massive compromise. Heresy. 
There's an abandoning, they, they have abandoned the truth. I saw, I saw somebody the other day, out of his own mouth, he said, I want to get as close to sin as possible on Easter Sunday. I heard a preacher of the gospel say that. He said, we're going to do a play, and I want to get as close to sin as possible on Easter Sunday, the abomination of desecration, desolation. It's happening. Where is it happening? In the pulpits. That's the spirit. It's invaded pulpits now. Well, the gospel's not the gospel. It's the gospel of man, not the gospel of Jesus. It's the gospel of comfort, not the gospel of challenge. It's the gospel of affirmation, not the gospel of change. It's the, it's the gospel of convenience, not the gospel that, 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 that demands you, 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 you do it, you move in it. It's an abomination. He said, he said these are all signs. There's more. You scroll on down. I want to show you this. Right in the middle of this, I want to show you what God said. He says in verse 19, so there'll be greater anguish in those days than at any time since God created the world. And that's comforting. Wow. Lucky us. He says, uh, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the Lord shortens that time of calamity, not a single person will survive. But for the sake of his chosen ones. For the sake, I want you to say this with me, I'm chosen. Man, for the sake of the chosen ones, he will shorten those days. Because, because of you, God said, I will increase time in the end and I will shorten those days and I will wrap it up because if, if I don't, you would not survive. He goes on, he says, there'll be, he says, false prophets will rise and perform signs and wonders and deceive. We've already talked about deception. Watch out, I warn you about this ahead of time. And at that time, the anguish of those days, here, here's what he says, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. There'll be cosmic signs. You know, my brother Lou, he used to tell me about E.T. He did. He said, man, have you seen that show about, about uh, aliens? And I said, man, stop with that foolishness. There's no, there ain't no aliens out there. And wouldn't you know it? There are signs in the heavens that there's something out there. there that, you know that, that the, the planets are doing strange things right now? They're finding that the sun is, is like bursting in ways that never, there are signs. There, the, 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 the cosmos are telling you, listen, the earth is groaning and it's telling you, get ready, church, get ready, church, get ready, church. There are cosmic signs. All right. So there are signs. And these signs, they indicate the time. Do you know what time it is? So, Mark 13, verses 28. Verse 28. I want, so, there is this mention of a fig tree in Mark 13, there is this fig tree. I don't know what a fig looks like. When you say fig, I'm, I'm like, that's a fig Newton. <laughs> it's a fig. It's my fig tree. Now, prophetically, a lot of theologians believe that Israel, Israel is the fig tree. Have you heard this? You know that Israel, so they, they, they say that you can start the prophetic time clock 
by the birth of the nation of Israel. You know that there's only been one nation that was destroyed 1,800 years later, came right back to the place and the people with the language, and that's Israel. First century, dispersed, destroyed, the whole nation. All of God's people flung throughout the corners of the world. 1,800 years later, look at me, just like the Bible said, 1,800 years later, Israel, all, all of God's people came back. They, they declared that Israel in 1948, in 1948, a nation again, after 1,800 years, just like the Bible said, Israel comes back, and it's a nation. And, and the scriptures say this. I want to read it for you. Learn this parable from the pig tree, the, from the fig tree, not the pig tree. <laughs> that would be interesting. When its branches have become tender and it puts forth its leaves, that summer is near. So, so the fig tree tells us that we're in the summer. That's important. I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. So that's important, that the fig tree indicates summer. So, so you also, when you see these things, when you see all of these things happen, it says this, when you see these things happen, know that it is near and it is at the door. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation, this generation will by no means pass away till everything takes place. Heaven and earth will pass away but my word, just like it has, it will be. Just like I said about Israel coming back as a nation after 18, you would think that the, the people of God would have, would, have, would have assimilated into the other countries, spoke the other countries' languages, begin to pick up the culture of the, and just kind of, just kind of morphed into the image of the, the, the pagan nations, but they did not. They held on 1,800 years later. They had come back just like the Bible said. And Jesus says, this generation will see the return of Jesus. We're this generation. Can you, can you do the math? Now, the Bible, in the Bible, you know, in the Bible, we're promised how many years? Somewhere between 80 and what? 120. It's never been like that for a, a previous generations, I'll, I'll tell you. God is so exact that he knew. You know, 200 years ago, the average lifespan was 35. 200 years ago, you would have been expected to live to, to 35 years old. Today, God knew exactly what he was doing. He prophesied it. He prophesied it when, when Israel becomes a nation, that generation, somewhere between, we don't know the day or the hour, but we do know the time. Oh, heaven is pregnant. Heaven is pregnant. She, you better get your bag ready because we're right about the 80, what is it, 80, what is it, 83? I need a Mark Sloan now. What year are we? 1948 to current. What, what, do the math. How many? How many? 75. So if we, if we ask, if, 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 if this is us, we're at 75. We're close, man. We're close. We're close. We're close. We're really close. Paul says something. And I'll close with this. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says something very interesting. He says in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 8, he says, therefore, let us keep the feast. Why? Why? Why would Paul tell us this? I mean, isn't that like, that's Judaism, Paul. Why would we keep the feast? It's like old types and shadows, Paul. Paul said, no, no. There's something prophetic that the church needs that's found in the feasts of Israel. Now, if you know anything about the feasts of Israel, there are seven of them. Seven feasts of Israel. 
The first four take place in the spring. These are in the spring. The second three, or the, the, the last three, take place in the fall. They don't mean, God doesn't mention winter because it's not supposed to be cold. <laughs> that, that's my interpretation of why there's no feast in the winter, y'all. God wants it to be warm. It's going to be warm in heaven. So, so the first one is Passover. Passover. In Passover, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus in Passover? He's the lamb, right? So Jesus is the lamb in Passover. In the, in the second one is unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. Who is Jesus in the unleavened bread feast? He's the bread of life. It speaks of his, of his death. It speaks of his, his, uh, his burial. That's found in John 6, 35. And the third one is first fruits, the feast of first fruits. These are actual, these are actual feasts that Israel celebrates. First fruits. So what does this one represent? Who is Jesus in this one? He, he's resurrected. He's the first fruits. He's, Jesus is the resurrected. He's resurrected in the first fruits. He's the first fruit from the dead. If he's the first fruit, what are you? Second, third, fourth, fifth. I'm the second fruit. If Jesus, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, shall what? Quicken my mortal body and raise me up to, to new life. Jesus is the first fruit. I, I, I therefore, am the, the second fruit. 1 Corinthians 15, 20, he is the first fruit. Uh, and number four, Pentecost. So the feast of Pentecost. All of these, so the Pentecost is, you know Pentecost, Jesus sends, who is Jesus here? Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, we see Pentecost and, and, and the pouring of the Holy, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? So, in, so what's interesting though, in all of these, all of these uh, feasts are Jesus' first advent, his first coming. Very important that you recognize this. So, these are the feasts that Paul says pay attention to the feast. Because in these feasts, Jesus fulfilled Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost. Jesus, Jesus became every one of them. He wasn't a shadow, he became them. He fulfilled the feast in, in that he became the lamb, the bread, the, the, the resurrected, and the holy one. He became them, and that was in this first advent, which is important. He became them. In his first advent. And then he comes over here. There's summer. Summer is the, is the in-between. Summer's the in-between. It's the season we're in now. It's the in-between. It's, it's the uh, summer is the time of the church this is the church that's where we are right now well we're really close to this right in the fall let's go to the fall so in the fall then the fall is the second the fall represents the second coming of christ in the fall we have the feast of what trumpets atonement Jesus is going to come back, and they're going to see whom they have pierced. And number three, tabernacles. Now what you need to see here is that this is his first advent. He goes away. 
We're in the age of the church, the in-between, and this is the second return of his coming. This, in atonement, is when his foot will touch down on the Mount of Olives. He will fully come down, and they who pierced him will see whom they have pierced. The Jewish people will see, and they will recognize him for who he is. And in, in, in the tabernacles, he will, he will catch away his bride. He will, he will take away his bride, and they will tabernacle with him forever. But this one right here is interesting. The Feast of Trumpets. Now, now it stands to reason, if Jesus fulfilled all of these, literally, well, then these are about to be fulfilled as well. You can't say that he's all of this, but he's not that. So he's either all of, the, all of them, or he's none of them. And the Feast of Trumpets, you know, is, there's an idiom. There's an idiom in, in, uh, in the Hebrew, the Feast of Trumpets is defined as this. No man knows the day or the hour. Where have you heard that before? Jesus said, he's having dinner with his disciples and he's, he's getting engaged. He's getting married to his church and he tells them as they take the bread and the wine, they said, Jesus, when are you coming back? He said, I'm going away. He said, he said when are you coming back? He said, I can't tell you when. Only the Father knows. Only the Father knows when I'm coming back. No man knows the day or the hour of my return. Jesus is telling us that the Feast of Trumpets signify the rapture of the church, the timetable of heaven. We are right here. The, tr the Feast of Trumpets is close. It's so close to where we are. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 52 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be what? Changed. We're going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. There's going to be not a whistle blown, but there's going to be a trumpet blown. And only those who know the sound of the trumpet and who are prepared will be ready to be caught away with Jesus when the last trumpet blows. First Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18 says, for the Lord himself would descend from heaven and he's going to shout. He's going to shout and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive and remain shall be what? Caught up together with them in the clouds of the air to be with him forever and ever. The Feast of the Trumpets. We are close. Jesus says, he wept. He wept. He came in. He came into Israel and he wept. And you know why he wept? Because his people didn't know the hour of his first advent. Why did Jesus weep? Because the people that should have known him, the people that should have identified him, didn't. My question to you, is are you ready for his second coming? And will you recognize the hour, the hour, the time of your visitation? Will you recognize it? How do you stay ready? Jesus encouraged us in Mark 13, 36 to 37. If you have that, put that up there. It says, you gotta watch. You gotta stay awake. We were coming out of Cleveland last week and preached. We're driving. Masi, my little boy, six years old, he's in the back seat. He said, Daddy, look, Jesus is coming in the sky. I said, What? <laughs> I'm going down 71. I'm like, Where? I said, I, I hit Becca. I said, Becca, look, look for Jesus. I don't want to miss Jesus, man. Look for Jesus. Becca's looking for Jesus, rolls down the window. She's like, I don't. I'm like, Mossy, where's Jesus? You know what I mean? Where is this Jesus? Where's Jesus? He's right there, Daddy. He's right there. I'm like, where, Mossy? He's right there, Daddy. You don't see him? I'm like, I don't see him. I don't see him. But I want to see him. I don't want to miss him. I want to see him, you know? Jesus says, in the last days, I'm going to. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, and I'm going to make your sons and your daughters, they're going to prophesy. What are they going to say, man? 
They're going to talk about his return. They're going to talk about your healing. They're going to talk about, they're going to begin to prophesy heaven on earth. They're going to begin to tell the end of the story at, from, from the beginning of the story. They're going to prophesy. And you know what else is going to happen? He said, I'm going to increase dreams and visions. I'm going to increase dreams and, and visions. My little girl, Precious, from the time that she could talk, she had dreams. Always these dreams of clocks and lions and planes. Clocks and lions and planes. And she would wake up and she'd say, Daddy, I had a dream. I had a dream. There was a plane and there weren't enough people on it. And there was a lion at the plane and, and there was a clock hanging from the sky. Every, about every third week, she'd wake up and tell the dream of a lion, a clock, and a plane. And I'm telling you today, there are visions and dreams that are telling us. They're telling us. They're trying to shake the church and wake her up and say, it's time. It's time. Get the bag ready, church. Get your bags pack. Get ready to go. It's about time to get up out of here. Don't, don't get worried. Don't get nervous. I got you. God's saying, I've got you. You don't have to worry. I'll take care of you. He says, you got to stay awake. You got to stay awake, church. How do you stay awake? You live sanctified. You live sanctified. Separate yourself from anything that, that deceives or deludes you. Separate yourself from anything that distracts you in this hour, in this time. You ain't got time to be kicking it at the club. You ain't got time to be drinking. You ain't got time to be smoking. You ain't got time to be gossiping. We don't have time. You got to stay. Jesus said, watch, I say, watch, I say, watch, I say, watch. Be vigilant and watch. The world's under a trance. It's a trance. It's a trans movement. It's a cheap, evil counterfeit to the transformation of Christ. God said, I'll make my children into my image and my likeness. And the devil said, I'll put, I'll put my children under a trance. And I'll lull them to sleep and I'll deceive them. And trance actually means to, to live in an altered state of reality. And that is exactly what's happening in the world today. So, it's, so I ask you again, do you know what time it is? You know the time it is. You can't backslide. You can't live cold. You, you, can't, you can't miss. You can't take a day off, a minute off. You, 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 we, can't eat, we can't risk it. We can't be flirting with the world and expect to be raptured with the king. He's coming. You got to stay sharp in the spirit. You gotta stay sharp in the spirit. Worship, word, fellowship, prayer, prayer, prayer. Stop making prayer about 15 minutes and start making it about communicating with God nonstop all day, every day. Paul said, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing. I don't, I, I, you can talk to me, but I can talk to him while you talk to me. God said, God said, I'll talk to you. Let them talk to you. Pray without ceasing. We gotta, we gotta be ready. We gotta stay sharp spiritually. Because, because the enemy, he's, he's, he, he's tricky, man. He knows how to tempt. He knows how to lure. He knows where you are weak. So you gotta stay sharp spiritually. We have to live with more spiritual humility. We gotta stop coming into God's presence and challenging Him. Say, do it again, God. Thinking we know. There's a story I, I saw the other day of Francis Chan. I, I, I normally don't drop the names, but I, I used to, I dropped his name because I didn't like the first book he wrote, but anyhow. But then he shared the story of how he took his Bible and he gave it to his son. And he said, Son, this is everything I've learned in all my years, and I'm giving it to you. And there's going to be times in your life when you're going to be tempted to think that you have arrived. There are going to be times in your life when you're going to think you know better than everyone else. How arrogant are we to believe that we have revelation beyond our fathers, beyond the early church, that we can somehow become progressive beyond the early church. How arrogant of us is it to believe that, 
that our way, that we know the best way now. We have a contemporary Jesus. They had an old style Jesus. The early church, the first century church, the, the Charles Spurgeons, they, they, they were in limited knowledge. I challenge you, go back and read a little bit of their stuff. You'll need a dictionary. The old way, what he was saying was, son, don't you ever think that you have arrived. What I have learned is I, I, have, I will never arrive until I get there. And until I get there, I'm going to keep. I, every day I'm going to wake up and say, God, I look at this book and I say, fix me. God, find something in here that, that's not right in me. God, use your word to refine me. I look into this thing and he hands it to his son. And then, you know what I learned about that, man? It's just like old. the old way is better than the new way. All day long, twice on Sunday, give me a Mustang from like, 1969 don't give me these ev cars and don't give me don't give me these brand new cars i want the old stuff because the old stuff is always better jeremiah said jeremiah said in 616 he said find the old way church find the old way walk in that bad boy go back to the bible go back to the basics go back to when you first fell in love with jesus and get in that thing and stay in the old way don't come out of it thinking you got some fancy revelation we've fallen in love with revelation got to go back we got to stay humble to walk with spiritual humility accountable to one another there's so much church hopping around today, man. And they, listen, like, I get it. Like, like, like listen, if, if something happened, I'm cool. I understand that. I understand it. No, like, that's not what I'm saying. But we got, we got people just because, just because. It's like, you're not called, man. You're not called. But you run down the road and you start something up. You're not called for that. We need spiritual humility that says, like, I need a pastor. You know, I, I woke up the other day and said, I need a pastor. I need somebody that'll tell me, you're doing it wrong. I, wanna, I want to be better more than I want to be right. I, wanna, I want revival more than I want like your approval or, 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 like, or, or like my name to be big in the lights or like YouTube likes or Facebook thumbs up. I don't care about none of that stuff. I just want the approval of Jesus, man. And I can't have that if I refuse to be accountable to anybody. If at the first, at the first sign of correction, I jump up and I take off and I get mad and I take my toys and I quit my ministry and I shut down everything and I walk away and I get mad and I say, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going down the road and I'm going to start my own church. I'm going to blow my own horn. I'm going to, I'm going to get up my own worship team, my own priesthood. You know what that's like? It's like Jeroboam. Jeroboam, dude. The gods of this world set up their own priesthood. So they don't want to be accountable to anybody. But I want to win. I want to win for Jesus. So I'm going to stay. So I'm going to remain. I'm going to stay like Peter did. Even though he rebukes me. Even though he looks me square in my eye and he tells me, you're wrong. I say, Yes, God, I'm wrong. Correct me. Forgive me. But God, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I need the keys of the kingdom. And, and Peter got the keys. Why? Because he stayed when it was hard. Because he refused to walk away when he, when he got offended, when he got hurt, when he, when he, you know, somebody talked bad about him. Somebody said this or said that. And he stayed, man. He just stayed the course. And, and Jesus at the end said, here, Peter, you stayed, dude. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Gates of hell can't come against you. If you just sit your behind down and serve in the kingdom. Stay. Spiritual humility, though. You want to be the man? Or do you want the anointing? You got to serve. You got to serve. You got to be responsible for your anointing. You have an anointing. And if it's just sitting in a seat, you're not responsible for it. How do you know if you're serving? Because you're building something. You're building something. 
You gotta expand, man. You got, but you gotta serve. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And he gave his life a ransom. I walked into a restaurant the other day and they treated me like they didn't want me there. They treated me like they didn't want me there. And I said, does your owner know that you're treating your people this way? Does the owner of this facility know, does this restaurant know how you're treating the, the people that are coming to patronize this restaurant? Do you, do they, does he know? They didn't come to serve. They came to take. And, and I ask you, does the owner of the church know? Are you here to take? Or are you here to serve? What are you here for? Because it's, it's, all, it's, all like, it's all in how you treat people. If you treat them like obligations or problems, you're irritated with them, you're not here for them. You're here to take from them for you. The church... God's called us to serve one another happily. Yeah, happy to be happy about it too. He called us to serve ourselves, affirm ourselves through our ministry. He said, "This that you've come, I've, I've called you to serve people, serve my bride, be responsible, and stop stealing from God. Stop taking from God's anointing and sitting on it." And lastly, here's what, here's, listen. You want to stay alert. You have to be sanctified, stay sharp, spiritual humility, serve. And here's the last one. And this one's like really important. You have to define what you don't do. You have to premeditate. You have to establish the truth before the temptation comes. Tell me, don't tell me what you do. Tell me what you don't do. Tell me where you won't go. Tell me what you won't say. Tell me what you don't do. Tell me what you don't. You know what? I don't eat that. There are certain things I've made up my mouth like, I don't eat that anymore. I don't. They, you can give it, you can put it right in front of my face. Last night, man, they brought out this ice cream with, with, with cake on it, and it was in this big bowl like this, and it was, it was, it was delicious looking but I don't eat that. I've already, I've already made up my mind. I don't, I don't eat that. I don't watch that. I don't go there. I don't drink. I, 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 I want you to tell me what have you made up your mind that you won't do? Because until you tell me what you just refuse to do, I'm telling you the enemy knows exactly how to tempt you and to get you confused as to what time it is. Tell me you won't do. I close with this. Went for a walk yesterday. Can you stand your feet with me? I went for a walk yesterday. And I heard the Lord say, get your fishing pole ready. I said, God, what do you mean? He said, once you get your fishing pole ready. I said, God, I really don't even like to fish. Fishing for guys who don't know how to hunt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not really. I said, God, what do you mean by that? And he said, I coming back. Get your stuff ready, Troy. Tell the church, I'm coming. I'm close. And I said, well, what's the fishing pole about, God? He said, remember that time? He said, you remember that time? You went fishing with your daddy. You're about to fish with your daddy again. I was happy about that because that let me know I'll be able to hunt when I get to heaven too. <laughs> but I ask you, are your bags packed? Like, are you looking for them? 
because we, we got to get ready. You act a certain way when you get ready for something, you know. You start looking out the window, you, your bags are packed at the door, you, you're looking like, is, is, is he here yet? Is he here yet? Is he here yet? You know, we're not looking out the door. We're looking up like, is he here yet? Where is he? Where is he? Masi said, there he is, daddy. Daddy, he's, uh, he's coming. He's coming. And I'm telling you, that's a prophetic word to the church. And it's just here to tell us like, he's coming. He's up. You don't see him. He's about to break the sky. The sky's about to split wide open. He's about to come. And he's about to call us home. There's about to be a trumpet's blast. It's not the whistle of the world, but it's the trumpet blast of Jesus. He's coming. And are you ready, man? And so today, today with me, I, I think it's good that we would set our, our, our watches together. You know, let's synchronize our hearts and our spirits together to say we are in the time of the return of the Lord. We're close. We don't have time, man. We got to get souls saved. We got to get our marriages back together. We got to get our children right, man. We got we to get these institutions. We got we to we correct some things. We're running out of time, and we're running out of time. So just with me, like, say, God, set my clock. Set my watch today. God, set my watch to be synchronized in the time like the sons of Issachar. God, I pray that you would set my watch, God. Make me so sensitive, God, to the time I'm in, God. Make me so proficient and efficient in the spirit realm, God. Quicken my spirit to know that I'm so close to your return. You're here today. You've never, you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here today. And you've never asked Christ to be your Savior. Pray this prayer with me. Or maybe you need to make a recommitment today. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to come into my heart and make me brand new. Make me brand new. And now, God, I pray that you would, you would quicken my spirit to know your time to know your time not the world's time but your time God I give my heart to you I promise that from this day forward I'm going to live for you and you alone I God I ask you to take my life now and change this world change this world wake up this world God I pray with my life wake up the world wake up my children wake up my my community wake up this nation wake it up God by my by your spirit in me God I pray you would wake up the world in Jesus name I give you my life amen amen come on give God a great big hand altar ministers are going to come forward if you need prayer today we want to pray with you before you go if you gave your heart to Christ let us pray for you today before you leave and if you're watching online let us know how we can pray for you live right love everybody pray hard we'll see you this Wednesday church on the north coast we're praying for you we love you